This is also a double. We've never recorded with someone else actually in the studio before, except but, Al. Al doesn't really well, count. Yeah, that's true. Because he's a dog. Yeah, he just barges in. Although I don't know where he is right now, which makes makes me a little bit nervous. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, episode 29. In this episode, we are talking about Christian Ropinion's You Know You Want This. I am Ryan, and with me is my good buddy and fellow host, Jacob. Yes, hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, our little book club, book cult, book something or other. Ryan, it's good to see you in the flesh. It's been it's a while. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, we kind of remarked on this a little bit before we started uh, recording. I, I think it's been something like five or six weeks since we've actually gotten to, I mean, I've seen you since yeah. then, but since we've actually, you know, got to sit down in the studio, you had your uh, trip up to the Northeast. Yes. Uh, with Christina. And, you know, we got to talk about that last episode and that was, uh, that was fun. That was, that was interesting. I definitely am excited to like do more uh, author spotlights in the future, but yeah, there's just something to be said about getting in the studio, sitting eye to eye, sitting back, relaxing, talking books, you know, not having to, do any wrangling or sound checking over Skype and whatnot. And yes. So we're back. And this is going to be an interesting episode. Um, I like to think that all of the episodes are interesting, but this one especially um, because uh, this <laughs> we, is an interesting short story collection. Now, we've only done one short story co- uh, collection previous. That was the David Sedaris stuff. So yep. this is a little bit, well, a lot of it in a different direction, if I'm being honest. Oh, uh, yeah. Sedaris was sure. all kind of more, you, you had a lot of the sort of connected between there. But anyway. Yeah, uh, we'll get into that when we're actually talking about it. But it, it's going to be a standard episode, nonetheless. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk about the author, uh, give you a brief summary of what's going on, and then we're just going to get into the book. Uh, I think we've selected a few stories that we're going to focus on here. I mean, there's there's a, a lot in here, but mm-hmm. I think it would be better suited to just kind of delve into cat person, especially because that's kind of the the highest noteworthy story in here, and then a few others that popped uh, into our mind, and we're going to talk those over for a little bit, and then. Uh, we'll get down to our super patented uh, three tiers, four if we're getting rid of it, uh, five if we're going to keep it in a chalk circle and cut off pieces of it to use in spells, uh, uh-huh. six if we're going to bite it. And, uh, you know, of course, and then we'll we'll tell you about uh, what books we've got coming up uh, in future episodes. So, Yeah, so this is uh, just our general disclaimer where we say that uh, if you haven't read the book, go read the book because it's weird to listen to podcasts about books that you haven't read. Uh, so yeah, with that, let's just get into Christian Rapinion. Let's do um, it. Let's, let's jump straight in. So the author. she is a bit of a, uh, seems like she avoids social media, uh, a little bit. So there's, there's not a lot about her out there. Um, she did grow up in the Boston area. Um, uh, she, uh, graduated from Barnard college, uh, holds a PhD in English from Harvard and uh, got her MFA uh, at the Helen Zell Writers Program at the University of Michigan. And uh, her sort of claim to fame, if you will, if you will, is the is the cat person uh, story going viral. Um, it was yeah. published in the New Yorker, which is a big deal. And uh, I think that I was going through some of uh, some of her interviews, which are, she's not done a whole lot of interviews. Um, but she had said, I, th- I believe she had said that it was actually the first thing that she had, uh, published in print that some of her other publications were all online stuff. Yeah. So to go from like literally nothing to the New Yorker, that's a big fucking deal. That's a pretty big, like jumping off point, right? For yeah. your, your first little step into that. Not that I know that that's her first step, but at least kind of, it is, it is her first step. This is her debut collection. Sure. So she's, she's not published, you know, any other books before her again, if my, my recollection is correct. It was the, her first in-print, like, major publication yeah. was, was Cat Person. So um, on the heels of that, she got paid a $1.2 million advance for this collection. And to kind of put that into perspective for most people, you know, I, th- I think sometimes people think that, like, being a writer is is something you can do for a living, and it's, it is not. It, like, there is no expectation. Very few. It's something, you know, 1% sub sub one percent of all you know published writers actually can do it full time for a living yeah i mean it's it is astounding most matter of fact when i was at awp and and you know went to some of these uh literary agent things you know sometimes your advances are a few grand like five five ten grand you know if you hit 
you know, 50 grand, you've, you you made know, you've really, you've really achieved something. And now when you say advances, this is just money that the publisher gives so that you can kind of give your attention yes. to whatever work that you're putting together. Yeah. It's think of it as uh, almost like a stipend uh, yeah. to live off of. And then, you know, once, once you essentially out earn your book out earns your advance, then you start getting royalties on, on top of that. So uh, it is possible that you never see royalties from uh, from your publication. That yeah. it, you just never even sort of pay back that advance uh, to the publisher. So one point two million dollars for this book is fucking insane. And I mean, kudos to her for for being able to wrangle that. She had several publishers that were uh, in a bidding war uh, for this, theoretically because of the the attention that Cat Person drew. But yeah. uh, in addition to that. In 2018, HBO bought the development rights uh, for this collection to create an anthology drama series. So I don't know if it's if it's like uh, American Horror Story, interesting kind of kind of situation or or what the deal is. But um, and then uh, in March of uh, of 2018, uh, a studio A24 uh, acquired the rights to her horror screenplay called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, that makes sense. You know, a lot of what you get uh, throughout all of these stories, you kind of get those like that, like unsettling underlying sort of uh, writing style that I yeah. guess would lend itself really well to horror. Uh, but yeah. So, okay. Summary. You ready for this? I'm, this is, I'm so this ready. This is the greatest summary that I've ever sort of willed into existence. Okay. You know, you want this by Kristen Rapinian is a set of short stories ranging from, uh, <laughs> ranging from, Amorous, uh, you know, uh, sort of relationships that uh, involve dominating uh, themes to magical witchcraft, to people biting other people, to uh, weird human dating, awkward interactions. It's 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 all over the place. But yes. uh, yeah, it's a, it's a short story collection. So there isn't really, unlike some others, this isn't. There's not really a central uh, sort of narrative plot in between these stories. We kind of get a little bit of everything. I th- I really thought you were gonna stop at. This is a, a, a short story collection. A short story collection. Would have been great. I mean, that's an accurate enough yeah. title. Uh, All right. Let's Sh- get into this. Let's let's start at the beginning because that's that's where I had I had a moment. Yeah, preface. So <clears throat> I don't need to preface. No, I'm prefacing it. I'm, right. I'm I'm bringing my introductory thoughts into this because this is probably the coldest read I've gone in with any book that we've done on the show, and it's not even close. Okay. Uh, that I possibly could have, you know, gone out and got a lot of information about. I mean, uh, with Christina's poetry collection, you, I mean, you were giving me a lot of personal information yeah, about that yeah. beforehand, so I, I definitely knew a lot of, like, going into that. That was probably another one that that I was kind of not had a lot of information going into. But, you know, with most books, I like to go out and kind of read a little bit beforehand, right. know right. a little bit of what I'm getting into. Did none of this with this book. Uh, I had no idea what to expect. You know, I remember the whole cat person thing, but I, I, I never remembered any of the actual, actual, you know, news or notoriety that surrounded it. I, I, I don't remember, you know, the reception for it. I don't remember anything like that. I just remember that it was something that happened last year. Yeah. Um, and I didn't go out and research any of this. So literally just kind of like, all right, this is the most blank slate I've ever kind of approached anything that we've read on the show. And the first story is Bad Boy, and we get in there, and you're reading through this, and things are kind of like escalating in the story, and then we get to the end, and it just kind of leaves you with this feeling of like, "Is oh my god, is this the whole book? Is this am I? I I know I had that kind of feeling of like, is this going to be this kind of not like not like deviant or anything like that, but just kind of like these like strange tales of like human relationship or like human." sort of like sexual encounters and things yeah, of that nature. Yeah. And so I was very like, as I'm reading this, I'm just like, oh God, Ryan, like I've, I clearly, I didn't think that you, you know, I think this was something that you kind of like heard about, but I didn't think you right. like hand like curated, like, oh, handpicked this, this story collection because I know so much about like what the subject matter is going to be. Yeah, no, actually I, I picked it because I've, I have a, a good friend at work, uh, Rick, who he and I were just, were talking and, and he's listened to, to quite a few of the, the podcasts and regularly checks in to see, you know, how, how things are going. And, uh, one day just kind of out of the blue, he, he mentioned Kristen because, they served in uh, the Peace Corps together, and, and you know I don't know how close of a relationship you know they they have or anything, but he was you know kind of telling me about this, and he just very casually was like, 
Yeah, she had a uh, she had a story that like went viral and like you know people were lamb blasting her on the internet and all this all this kind of stuff and you know she had a difficult time like trying to figure out like what to do with all of that. Sure. And then uh, a few weeks later, then uh, we kind of talked. It came up again somehow because I I read about uh, cat person or read about the like notoriety of it and. Uh, then he told me about the one point two million dollar advance, and I was like, "What the hell?" So then that's when I decided just piqued your interest. Yeah, and, I was like, "All right, somebody threw a lot curiosity. of money." Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got to sort this out. But then, so I kind of came to this with with sort of no expectations. I read her background. I, I she went to two very good programs. Obviously, yeah. Harvard and, and Michigan has has a great writing program. So I thought, you know, she's going to be you know, a, a good writer, uh, just based on that sort of pedigree. Yeah. And, and, you def- then, and then I read bad boy and I was like, what the fuck did I get us into? What did we do here? I mean, like even starting off with that, like immediately you, you, you kind of can, I mean, the, the subject matter of the story is, is interesting and it kind of gets into sort of uh weird sort of sexual and power dynamics and all this. But the first thing you yeah. notice is, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Kristen is a really good writer, uh, even just from like a technical standpoint, just kind of, uh, I guess she's she's definitely found her narrative voice because I found like every story that I read, like I just, you were able to sort of like get in and like get yeah. your mind into the yeah. story. There was no real problem kind of like getting a feel for the narrator and getting a feel for right. kind of like, because right. it shifts. Like obviously, you know, we have a lot of like similar themes between the narrators, but like, you know, things shift around, but you don't ever really have a problem. Like just like, okay, cool. I know yeah. I kind of feel what this person's about and all this, but yeah, yeah, bad boy. I mean, obviously I, you know, I, I was interested at kind of the process by which you, you know, in a short story collection, like how you lay them out. Like when you're, when you're going to your publisher and you're building this and obviously there are some that make the cut and some that don't and you're right, kind of piecing right. it together and you're saying, all right, how are we going to start off this this collection? This is your first collection. Um, obviously, we have a story that's super that's super you know noteworthy that has this high degree of notoriety. Where do we want to place it in this book? Do we want you know a lot of people are probably approaching this book maybe having already read it. So do mm-hmm. we just kind of want to just get it out of the way at the front? Do we want to bury it at the back, or do we want to put it like smack dab in the middle, which is what this book does, which is right interesting right. to me. And just kind of the idea of like, all right, what are we going to lead off with? And they chose Bad Boy and. Um, yeah, I, you know, I read it and then I just kind of like set it down. It was just very, uh, I don't know. It was, it's a weird story, man. I mean, the, yes. the gist of it being we kind of have this couple with this friend of theirs who'd gone through this bad breakup, this bad sort of uh, relationship, and uh, they were comforting him. And then you kind of had this like almost like parental and childlike, like they were caring for him and he was staying with them. And then, yeah. then it kind of translates into this like, well, you know, we sort of he's over here and it's kind of like intruding on our like ability to, you know, have sex and all these other things. And then it sort of warps into like the, the excitement that they get from having someone, you know, possibly in the other room listening right, in and right. then slowly that escalating to him watching and then slowly it escalated to him participating. And then they kind of like just pushing everyone's limits of control and all these other things. Yeah. You know, it's, it was just, uh, it was interesting, man. That's for sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, I after I finished that, my, my immediate thought was, you know, just like, what's, what's the point? Like, and like, I, I, I really struggled and not that every story has to have a point, but I mean, sure. she like literally has like a moralistic fairy tale, uh, you know, a few, uh, a, a few, uh, uh, short stories in and, you know, but so I, I kind of got back to that one after I'd, I'd read some more and I was just like, what, why is this even a part of, of all of this. And I think that when you take a step back and look at the collection as, as a whole, you talk a lot about like just sort of human depravity. Right. Yeah. And like, um, or just like just human, the awfulness, not of, even depravity, but just like dysfunction, yeah. dysfunction, especially like in regards to relationships, you know, in regards to, to even just sexual or just general kind of like romantic or even just general right. interpersonal relationships that kind of like depraved and dysfunctional sort of alcoves that exist there. Yeah. I think this the I think Bad Boy pairs up really well with like the themes in Scarred. Yeah. Um. And you know I I I think you know when you talk about like constructing a a short story collection, you know it's it's hard sometimes because I think if you put those two stories next to each other, um, then you sort of get a reader into a, a thing like okay I get it like you know it's just people taking advantage of each other and like you know whatever, um, you know but but. So generally, you want to have a structure to a collection 
where stories kind of you know play off one another. And yeah. I think you I have think some the, like ups and downs, and some yeah, you have a back and forth. You're not just putting all of your like constant like similarly themed works together. Like I get that, but. So I, I struggled. You talked a little bit about like her, her narrative style. And I was just, I was flipping through um, my notes about all the stories. And I've got to say, until we get to, to Scarred, which is the third, like the seventh or eighth story. In, it's a good deal in. It's, it's in the back half or back third of the book, back two thirds of the book, something like that. I really struggled with whether or not she, she is a good writer. Knowing that this is her debut collection. Uh-huh. I I got to that point and I was like, the voice is so similar throughout all of these things. Sure. You have a very um like conversational tone mm-hmm. to uh to everybody in these uh in these parts. And um to a point where like, you know, you're using slang and you know all this all this different stuff. And it just seemed like she hadn't developed past a certain point. Like it, it felt to me like, you know, an early 20s something like trying to figure out their own well, like writing style. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does feel like it's, we're not, uh, I don't know. It, it, it does kind of feel like, yeah, we're just privy to that like mid twenties, early twenties, uh, sort of like female voice throughout all of the, the narrative yeah. characters. But I mean, there are little differences here and there, but Really, it all just, again, you know, it's all kind of like, it's that same sort of like person, that same like age group of person or idea. And then we just sort of shift around a little bit of like the subject matter. Or if we go kind of out of the way and get sort of strange things going on, then, you know, I I mean, I will agree with that, that I think it was, I think what I meant more by that narrative style is like, I readability more than anything yeah. else. Like I, there was a high degree of readability in here. Like I, I wasn't ever really lost. I didn't have to go back and reread passages or anything like that. I didn't have right. to, you know, I kind of got a feel for the, the like dark elements of humor that were meant to come through that could have been kind of like obscured with sure. other writers sure. that are a little bit more like, uh, dry in a yep. sense of just kind of like writing a situation more sarcastically. She has like elements of sarcasm in there, but a lot of it is kind of like, it, it's less like played uh, played in a straight way and like actually just kind of like buying into like yeah. the the weird odd stuff that's going on. But it does seem it it, it does seem like there's not uh, I don't know it, it it's different than reading something that's you know from a higher like from an yeah. older person or just from you know kind of like uh, maybe they'd been writing different works for a long period of time and they kind of had that more like more. Uh, separated from kind of the the subject right like the yeah, yeah yeah but the the thing that i that sort of made me concerned was like just some of the clichés and metaphors yeah. that that she used throughout which were pretty like basic things and i wish i wish i would have made some notes of of some but um you know they were just th- things that you would expect to see like, you know, on a blog or something like just very yeah. basic, like, you know, not thought provoking type things. But the, so I struggled. I even talked to with, with my wife about it because I was like, I, you know, I, I'm, I think that she might be a bad writer. And then I got to the later part of the book where the voice develops a little bit more. You get the shift away from like the, the younger uh, woman sort of narrator. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, you get a, a more developed side of her narrative voice in some of these. And you realize then that she's actually she intentionally is writing this way to to make the uh, individuals convincing. And then I was like, OK, that like she's she actually is making conscious decisions and not just sort of succumbing. This to, is just like, kind of beginner, how she. Yeah. yeah beginner writing how her voice in her head for a narrative yeah but i was i was seriously concerned and i i I think that if if some people took certain you know stories out of this i think bad boy is is one and just just read that on its own yeah that that was just if that was published in the new Yorker. (laughs) yeah you would you would make a judgment i think honestly that's part of cat person because i think that it's written in such a way that it seems autobiographical um, and the voice in there is, uh, you know, a sort of priv- privileged, pretentious, you know, kind of, uh, kind of person. 
And, you know, I could see how people sort of have an affront to that. And, and certainly like in bad boy with just, it's, it's kind of like instantaneous, like smack in the face, the way that, yeah. that, that it opens the collection. And then, you know, even, even some of these other ones, um, what was the, uh, the one, right. Oh, the, uh, the good guy yeah. was, was also a bit jarring in that way. Um, but the, the other thing that I, I sort of felt throughout in little moments, especially the ones about relationships, were the sort of moments of, of brilliance that she has with just sort of the like raw um, explanation of, of feelings, right? Yeah. Like, I can remember, um, certainly like in, in The Good Guy, like um, that sort of like feeling of desperation that you see out of uh, uh, Ted, like yeah. at the end, you know, when, when somebody just ghosts you. And not that I've ever texted somebody whore or like, like, uh, you know, but like, you know, sometimes somebody just doesn't respond back. You think things are going a certain way. And then like internally, you're just like, what did I do wrong? Like, what is, what is this? And and you never sometimes get an answer to, to those things. One, one thing that was kind of like throughout, and I think is more effective about this book. And, you know, I guess I can get to this more or later on, but the, the one thing that kind of like struck me, that was at the end of cat person. Not, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, was, I feel like a lot of the impact of these stories in the, the book are, they're kind of catered to like a specific age group. You know, I think that they're, you know, there's, there's definitely kind of a target audience that I think would, would relate more to a lot of these stories. And I don't know if it's because I'm old or a prude or just, a dude or just weird or whatever. But yeah, that was the problem with me with a lot of these is because it was like just outside of arm's length of like relatability, but the stories are kind of made in a way to try to relate to that, those sort of, uh, circumstances like they were yeah. familiar but they weren't they weren't just quite familiar enough for me to like really get into any of these stories yeah that yeah i mean it was hard like just i don't know it was it was it was difficult in a way to not just kind of like read through them and go like okay cool interesting like that's i don't know and it it started off early and it wasn't really i, I will say this kind of to your same note and i guess it was different for me but you know you said Later on, you kind of, you know, as you're reading through the, the the later bits of the book and you're kind of like, okay, she's we've kind of evolved into a different narrative voice yeah. here. There's something that's maybe a little bit more mature, something that's a little bit more relatable. Like I got that same way too. Like of the of the breakdown of this book, I think I think we we have you know what the hilarious part was we both came and we're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to pick, we're each going to pick a story yeah. that we're going to kind of highlight on. And then we'll obviously talk about cat person. Cause that's kind of like the anchor story in, yeah. in the book. And, and we both came in with like the same two stories essentially. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is the fact that we have very similar, you know, we went to college together. We were in the same fraternity. We, sure. we did yeah. a lot of the same things. We're in relatively the same, you know, age in life. We have pretty similar kind of backgrounds and all these other things. So it, it doesn't surprise me that that things are more impactful to us than, sure. let's say, you know, a twenty-five-year-old uh, woman or, or yeah. you know, a twenty-two-year-old woman that's still in college that maybe has experiences that can kind of mirror some of the more odd ones that you find in this book. And I think that that's that's the one thing that was kind of in the back of my mind the whole time I'm reading this is like, well, I'm not really the target audience, or I feel like in a lot of these stories, I'm not really the most appropriate person to try to connect with a lot of these characters, but I still found like opportunities to like, to like think about it and to like feel and get in there. And so like that, that to me is, is a net positive, even though, you know, it's not necessarily something that like I'm just itching to, to go back and reread or anything along those lines. But so let's, Let's talk about Cat Person because we just want to get that one out of the way. Yeah. Spend the most time on it. I, I think that, I think that in talking about that, you encapsulate some of the, I think, target stuff that that you were talking about. Um, And I think we can address some of the controversy and sort of discussion and and all of that stuff around. You know, I I think that anybody who picks this book up and had a problem with Cat Person is going to like be even more incensed by the entirety of, of sure. what she, a she lot put of, around yeah. I mean, here. a lot of the like weird dynamics between people, it's kind of like if what you see in cat person, you kind of get doubled down on in, oh, in most of the other stories triple and quadruple uh, as far as just, just weird interactions and just kind of that whole thought process. So 
Do we want to do it? Is this where I come in and do the summaries, the like brief summaries of the actual story? Yeah, that actually, that's that's kind of your job. So yeah, summarize it. Kind of a job. So <laughs> uh, girl meets boy. Girl and boy have weird, strange kind of awkward, flirtatious, kind of normal, kind awkward of awkward uh, flirtatious relationship that spans a week or two over text. And they meet and have awkward date that ends in awkward, awful kissing and awkward, awful sex with awkward, awful uh, sort of detaching and and sort of getting away, confronted at the end by awkward, awful, just confrontation. Yeah, awkward and awful. I believe are, are probably the two words that I would assign most to this book. Um, man, w- for starters, I found uh, I found the characters kind of uh, hilarious. You know, and I get they were both sort of um. I mean, they were both obviously not like caricatures of like ideas of people and, and obviously Margot less than uh, Robert. But the whole time I'm just like reading and it's like it's like this list as it's like, oh, yeah, Robert, he's you know, he's fat and he's nerdy and he's old and does all these other things. I'm just yeah. like, OK, this is to me, this seems like a kind of like a checklist for the the like Mimi kind of like white nighty or, you know, just kind of yeah. the, like strange guy. Um a little bit like caricature of that, but sure, sure, uh, sure. Margot less so. Margot doesn't really like fit sort of a character, more just kind of like a young, you know, college age girl, kind of immature in some ways, but like not necessarily strange, not necessarily like no, she's vindictive just normal. or mean, just very kind of, yeah, I mean, very kind of normal. And we get, you know, her thoughts and feelings throughout, and because she is our narrator, so obviously we get, you know, things from her, uh, from her viewpoint, and you know, as we go throughout the story, like nothing that she does or says terribly like surprises me. Like, you know, sure. all the like weird and strange, awkward encounters and just Robert in, in general, like, I don't know, as like a reader and especially as a guy, like reading that, I was nothing. I was like, how, I, you know, I don't know. I know there was controversy on both yeah, sides yeah. surrounding the story from, from, from women, I guess, supporting kind of, uh, or, or some people supporting kind of this, our, our Margot and our protagonist and then saying like, yeah. And then there were others that I guess were decrying her as this just like horrible person or this like cruel or crude individual. And then there was people, you know, about, I guess with similar experiences and even just maybe the whole kind of like flirting with the whole idea whenever she's, you know, back at his place and kind of that, you know, this came out right around the same cusp with me too and everything. And so kind of that, like, self-implied coercion that she feels like maybe she has to have sex with him because she's let him here and whatever fear that exists and potentially angering him if she were to kind of like back out or something right now. Like I get that and I get kind of the, the both sides of that. But to me the whole time I'm just reading and I'm just going like, why, why is this story causing such an uproar? And why is this such a pop? Like I read the story and the minute I got done with it, I was just like, okay, cool. And like, yeah, didn't have yeah. a second thought about anything. It just seems it's a, it's just a do nothing story. Like it's, it's a, it's a little story about just a weird encounter and just weird. And then I just, I never thought about it again until we had to like, I had to think about it like, okay, we're going to have to talk about this. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that it's a, it's a do nothing story. I certainly don't think that, um, I don't think maybe that if it was outside of the sort of current like social conversations that we're having at large, that it would have really generated any attention otherwise. Um, so, I mean, in, you know, in some way it was it was well timed, um, you know, but some of the controversy was was really around like the sort of privilege of Margot and, and like sort of the body shaming that was sort of like the anti Margot camp um, of, you know, body shaming Robert for being, you know, overweight or having a small penis or, you know, uh, you know, just his mannerisms. Erectile dysfunction like, yeah, or just being like, nerdy or like, yeah, whatever. I mean, like those, those things happen. And, uh, you know, on, on one hand there's, there is something true to life in, in those experiences um, you know, whether you're, uh, overthinking something, uh, you know, in, in the moment and, uh, or, or you're uncomfortable for whatever reason, 
you know, I, I mean, those are those are things that ha- that happen. They've happened to me. I'm yeah. sure they've happened to you. And and our character. Uh, and you know, the thing I kept taking away when I kept thinking about like how this could possibly be controversial is like mm-hmm. our our character is 20 years old. Margot's 20 years old. Yes, 20 year olds are stupid. And sorry, any 20 year olds that are. But listening but Robert was like mid 34. 34. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, like 20 year olds are just. I mean, I get it. There's, there is that. You know, I think back when I was younger, and you know, you're shallower about things, or sure. you just have less perspective on certain things, and so like that didn't necessarily bother me. The yeah. those like aspects, I guess, to the the earlier parts of the story, right? Where, no. where Margot starts kind of having these revelations about him. Yeah, and you know, then uh, the the other side of the of the conversation, you know, was was sort of around the moment where then Margot was uncomfortable and really about like consent and where, you know, where does that that end? Does Robert have a responsibility then to like recognize that she's not comfortable and, you know, stop? Uh, she never says anything. She never, right. you know, overtly, you know, says like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable or whatever. And so, you know, there, there are these, these conversations. And I, and I think this is where sort of the, the genius of, of Kristen really is throughout the book is that, um, not that she is, is like lending, uh, insight necessarily yeah. into, anything that we don't know, but she's, she's writing something in such a way that can be so familiar and is so visceral in some way that it's just, there's, there's sort of a moment where you go, yeah, I've kind of been in a, in a situation like this, or I've at least felt this level of like, uh, like awkwardness about myself or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is that, you know, there's, there's a certain relatability and, and sort of thought process that I think you can, you can go down, um, and I think that really is the where people start getting offended. Then, yeah. uh, in, with with cat person is you know they have been a Robert at some point, and they don't appreciate being published in the New Yorker as the small dick, uncomfortable middle aged guy trying to hook up with a girl that's you know much more too attractive. young for him anyway. Yeah, you know, or you know, I just I didn't understand the outrage necessarily. I think it's, it's just one of those. We, we I mean, I don't, have... I don't understand outrage by about 80% of most things because yeah. I think that there is, I think that there is a, I don't know. I think that, that there is a, people tend to gravitate towards outrage because I think outrage drives, drives like uh, awareness or, uh, sure. Visibility. I think outrage yeah. is the most, is the easiest way to make whatever something that, you're passionate about or thinking about visible. And so in a lot of ways, it's kind of like sifting through, you know, outrage versus like legitimate things that I think can cause outrage. And I'm not saying that, you know, that people are creating these sorts of things, but things like this, like I can understand how people can be upset, but just whatever, whatever response that you would have that would lend you to kind of, you know, be upset at the author, especially when it's something it's, you know, and I don't know how this was published in the New Yorker as, as if if it were more something more autobiographical with maybe names replaced, or if it was kind of just published as an, in a sense of saying like this is just a short story, guys. This well, is not there. There's no preference. There, there, and like I'm sure it, that it there's in as as a short fiction. Yeah, and I'm sure that you know there's. It's one of those things like I'm sure that Kristen probably it's it's a little bit of both, right? Like yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of maybe personal experiences that kind of shape the way that you tell stories and things that happen. Like I know if I'm telling a story and I'm I'm having to think of things like. I'll draw on my own experiences sure, to, sure. And, and then kind of like shift those around maybe a little bit to, to fill in ideas and stories and things like that. But yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I didn't get the outrage. This wasn't something that was, that stuck with me again, like at all after I stopped yeah, reading. Yeah. So it was just, it was very confusing to me too. Cause like, you know, I read through and it's like, Oh, you know, the cat person, it's on the, it's on the freaking cover of the book. And right, you know, right. it's, it's advertised. This is as cat person. It was published in the New Yorker and all this. Yeah. And I go through and I read it and I go, what is the big deal? Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of had a, a, a similar impression and I, I read it a few times and, you know, again, I think that if it was outside of the larger social conversations that we're having right now, I don't think this, this story would have landed, but yeah. you know, I mean, that's, that's half of, of writing anything is, is timing. And, 
you know, some of the some of the greatest works of of fiction have landed because you know it was at the right time. They happen to strike know, with, a chord with enough people on a certain thing, and it crosses a certain amount of you know ideas or objections or insecurities yeah. or thoughts that people have against a certain thing. And I guess this one struck a chord. But you know, I think that um, I think we do need to address like the the types of conversation that you have about things like this and sort of the outrage culture at large you know i i think that um it's it's really easy sometimes to get behind your your own sort of experiences and perspective on the world right yeah and um it's really hard to sometimes think in those gray areas to, you know, if you identify with Robert to think as Margot yeah. and you know, how, how she might've felt and uh, you know, what that means um, and, and vice versa. And, you know, I think it's one thing to, to sit down and, and have a conversation like we are tonight and, you know, to, to talk about uh, the content of the story. And it's an, it's another thing entirely to, take that and weaponize it, especially, you know, on, on social media and, uh, you know, wield that against other people and their, their opinions or their perspectives, uh, or certainly against the writer herself. And yeah. I, you know, I know that, that a lot of that went on and, you know, it's, I think it's, it's hard enough to, to put something out in the world, no matter, you know, sort of what the content is. This is not an autobiographical story. Sure. It, it is it is fiction. I'm sure that there are plenty of elements that are drawn from her own personal experience to to write that. But, you know, even even if it were autobi- autobiographical and and maybe more importantly if it were autobiographical, the the type of reaction that this story garnered toward Kristen herself is ridiculous. And I don't know where we have gotten off as a society that we just think that it's it's okay to like just berate people uh, instead of you know try to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it, it's it's appalling as you know I, I read through some of the some of the things that were that were said about this and and her reaction. Who you know like I said she's yeah. not a big social media user, um, so other people were telling her that her shit was going viral and she you know sort of tried to absorb some of this stuff and then had to had to back away from it. I mean, it's just it's it's never okay and it unfortunately it's just part of our internet culture and the anonymity of of the digital space yeah. um that that we now occupy as as people more and more. Um and and I think that probably played into some of it too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you go read like Trump tweets or something. I mean, you get all sorts of bullshit stuff on there from both sides. People just say the craziest things. Oh yeah, just look at the comments on it, like anything. And it's my favorite on, it, on any side, like even like Trump or if you look at yeah. any like Democratic Party leaders, whenever they put a tweet out or something, it's just like just a just a massive just pile of just the the opinion or the the opinion equivalent of just like a pile of shit honestly it's, it's, it's just terrible so anyway that's that's my that's my moral fair enough i do have one question don't, don't be a shitty person fair enough so how did your what was your what was your view on the characters before we got to the last little bit the last i guess the bar and, and yeah. right after that and what was your view at the end of the book um or at the end of the story excuse me yeah i mean i think that uh I think I think that it was sort of like uh sort of a, a general plot arc. I think that my opinions at the beginning were sort of like Robert seems kind of weird, Margot seems kind of judgy, then like, you know, maybe they're they're coming together to like uh, you know, to to see each other as they really are and they're not they're not bad kind people of, despite yeah, just strange weird thought process. And then I think they both suck at the end basically. Like, you know, her her attempt to like, you know, ghost uh, and you know her friends shielding her at the bar, and that's certainly his his ridiculous reaction. Yeah. At the at the end is is not okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't think. I think like you know when her friend sends the text and sends it to him and all that, and it's kind of like it's oh she's ghosting him or whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't see that as 
I mean, it's essentially like saying like, Hey, I don't want anything to do with like, I feel yeah. like, like it's cold. Right. Certainly like, and, and you know, you see it and, and it's not like Margo herself is cold. She's spending, you know, a week or so she's, she's constantly typing these out and figuring out what she wants to send and then deleting it because yeah, she doesn't want to leave any room like open for him to counter or something like, Oh, I don't want to be in a relationship. I want to be casual, you know, stuff like that. So right, she's right. like laboring. She's like spending all this mental energy and stuff. Meanwhile, you know, he's texting her and obviously, you know, she hasn't responding. She's given like the little like, Hey, got a lot going on. I'll text you back later or something, but right. You know, then we kind of get the finality of it and he texts back and it's like, okay, cool. Like, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't fault her for being kind of confused and how she's going to send that. I mean, there's, there is a degree of insensitivity there with kind of the response that her friend types up for and sends her and all that. And, yeah. you know, initially it seems like Robert handles it fine. And then we kind of get to the whole bar thing. And again, she's 20 and hanging out with her college friends and sees the guy there, you know, a 34 year old guy there who proclaimed to like never go to the college yeah, bar. It's or not a like college. That. Then. Yeah. yeah. I would just be like, Oh my God, this is awkward. Like, get me out of here. Like that is totally understandable. Like, that's the thing. Like I get everything that Margot does. Um, and then at the end we get just the weird, you know, Robert just being a weird guy and just texting and just, you know, eventually just getting super obsessive or whatever and just, getting pissed off and angry and whatever. But yeah, I, you know, I, it is kind of an arc. We get the little arc between the characters, but at no point was I ever like, eh, like Mark, you know, I, I don't know how I can like take the book, like take the story away after and like in any way kind of find Margot to be like, yeah, she's shallow and she's immature yep. in a lot of ways and you know, whatever, but I don't necessarily fault her for being, you know, uncaring. I think she has regrets with this whole situation. And I think that she genuinely is trying to like maneuver it as, as peacefully as possible. And like, I get that. I get that that sense of trying to, to be even kill. And seemingly it seems like Robert is too until the end, but right. I don't know. It's just, like I said, I just, I, I left the story and I just went, okay, cool. Moving on. Yeah. I mean, but certainly like at, at the end it was, uncomfortable like his his flurry of text messages at the end was was you know disturbing uh it kind of makes you wonder like you know what what comes after that was did he just stop at calling her a whore uh you know i just it was unsettling that's that's another thing where it's like experience plays into like the effectiveness on that too because like i i i know for a fact that women that date or women that, you know, put themselves out on, you know, like dating platforms or whatever. And they yeah. meet guys like certainly they've encountered plenty of guys that get like super attached or maybe you're feeling it way more than them. And I, I think it exists obviously in the counterpart, like I, you know, exist for women in the same way for, for guys, but I think it's less, I think it's less so from like our side of it. Like when you, if you were to put yourself out there as a guy and, and date and, you know, kind of not be not feeling it and having this sort of uh, non-reciprocal sense of like attachment to the situation. I think it gets less, I think it gets like less sort of not violent. It's not the right word, but less like there's less like animosity there or at least acted upon animosity through text or something like that from a girl to a guy than a guy to a girl. So like, it makes sense to me. And I think a lot of it too just comes from like, yeah, I don't have that experience. So yeah, it, it doesn't really hit home with me, but I'm sure there are plenty of, of women and, and even men that have read that and like, yeah, okay. I, I get what happens next. Cause that's another thing too. It's like, sure, we're kind of left sure. off and it's like, you know, he sent this and it's like, Oh man, is this the end? Or is this like the start of something now where she's having to deal with like a stalker or she's having to deal with, you know, someone who's just, constantly texting mean and, and awful things like we don't know is that the end right. or is that the beginning so right yeah so i think it, it's interesting because you get the, the story right after this um the the good guy with the whole ted and anna and rachel yeah. situation and by this point in the book i'm thinking to myself like kristen's just ragging on women or ragging on men rather like it just it felt very like uh very much like she was just kind of taking out her like you know young adulthood frustration and anger about all these like you know episodes of relationships yeah. out on in these stories with without seemingly like much point to it yeah. and you know again i i think for me what i what i took from it was just sort of communication of the of the visceral perspective of of those things and not so much like 
you know, sort of a, a moralistic tale where it was like, don't, don't text women and, and say, you know, they're, they're whores. Um, you know, don't text women and say they're whores though. That's, well, yeah, that's, that's generally, generally a bad idea. If you're going to uh, text someone and say that they're a whore, just don't text them. Yeah. You can, th- you can think they're a whore yeah. and you can write in a journal and say they're Well, actually, well, actually that'd be even worse. That, like, no, I mean like sometimes journals are therapeutic, but you yeah. know, obviously don't act in anger or anything. I mean, think whatever well, just, you want. Just, well, just, just ask like, yourself why, why you would want to call somebody yeah. that in the why first place. Why you would want to, why you were, feel so compelled yeah. to, to text or to take something out on. I mean, it's just like, whatever, man. Yeah. That's, to me, that's just the like, you're just trying to take out. It's just immature. Just, it's like if, if, you know, some if a sibling takes your toy away or something and you're just like you're an asshole you're not that i called my siblings i mean i did call my siblings asshole but that was a little bit older before that but that's eh, fair fair enough so the the book started to turn for me around uh the boy in the pool was kind of weird um didn't didn't really care for that one too much yeah the book the book if i had to kind of like if there was a roller coaster yes. that that sort of uh that sort of illustrated kind of my level in the book. It's, you know, okay, we start, we leave the, we leave the cart. This is going to be the first time we're okay. using the roller coaster description. I like it. I like uh, it. So we're kind of going up the hill. It's like, all right, there's a big hill that's coming up. And this is, you know, at the start of the book. And then uh, we kind of get to the top and it's like, all right, here we go. We're going down. And then you just kind of stay at the top. <laughs> there's just like a, it's just like a slow path at the top. Yeah. And then you get around to, okay, we're, we're at cat person. Here we go. Oh, there's a little hill. And then it just like straightens out again. And then we're just kind of like piddling around, kind of piddling around very slowly. And then we hit another chain. It's like, oh my God, why are we going up again? All right, the chain. <laughs> and then at the end, you know, the back, I think the back, you know. Four stories. Four stories or so yeah. is where we actually kind of get some interesting things going on. And I know those were the, two of those were the ones that we highlighted. And then so we kind of like piddle down the hill into the the end for yeah. a holy kind of unimpressive roller coaster ride that these stories take us on. So let's let's talk about Scarred. Let's talk about Scarred. Scarred was interesting. Scarred was a departure from pretty much everything else in like yeah. relationship context. Yeah, because we get a lot of we get, you know, as opposed to just playing everything on the nose kind of with stories, we get a lot of the not like I mean mystical realism, whatever. We'll get some yeah. some like ties into Garcia Marquez here, but you know we get essentially this metaphorical, but still in the in the scope of the story, kind of a actual encounter with magic and witchcraft, and and sort of how that plays out with through this uh, woman's life and kind of her interaction with this uh, man that she's conjured up, you know, and and obviously we get a lot of overtones on kind of the the give and take throughout the course of a, you know, relationship or, or, you know, kind of dealing with, uh, the, the, the basic theme here is, you know, you can't have it all right. Or, or yeah. trying to, to get everything and have it all. And the scope of that within, you know, taking from someone else in your relationship and the damage it causes and things like that. And obviously we get that on the backdrop of literally someone that she's conjured and the spells that she continues to cast to, to gain fortune and wealth and beauty and intellect and success and luck and all these other things. So, but it was, this was the first one that popped out and it was like, okay, cool. This is something like unique within the scope of this book that like I can read and appreciate. Yeah. So what did, what did you think about the, the way that it, that it ended? Um, where, you know, she, I forget the, uh, the woman's name. Uh, was she named? I don't think she had a name. Okay, then maybe I didn't. I don't that. remember her name. If she had a name, I think she was oh, a. She it was it was told in first person. Yeah, so it was that's why she first person. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I thought it was interesting how like everything just continued to to escalate. Yeah, and she sort of like she continually like fed herself to the point of not having a conscience anymore. Yeah. Like she had, or at least, you know, on the day three when she's like, when I did intelligence and she kind of, instead of viewing him as like a living person, you know, mm-hmm. she being, well, I conjured you up and you know, at the end of all of this, I'll share it with you. And I know that you're not going to trust me, but you know, we'll, we'll make it work. You know, that kind of like, I guess the perspective of that within a relationship is, you know, just the, well, we'll both just kind of like put on our face and we'll make it work for the sake of like the things that we have as opposed to the actual like connection that we have because sure. that's been lost through the course of this of this interaction. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we get the whole like escalation. You know, first it's like, I need a drop of your blood and then yep. I need to, you know, constantly get your blood and your tears. And now I'm having to do this, you know, every day as opposed to kind of like once a week or doing these sorts of things. And right. 
escalating to eventually at the end, you know, she's hauling his seemingly, you know, at that point kind of just broken down and beaten, you know, body out before finally killing him for the attempt, you know, the, the spell at the end changes and it's kind of, you know, her, she was sacrificed this in order to achieve her true love. And it's, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, what, I mean, what does that necessarily entail like going forward you now, now that it, she kind of has like everything in her life, but she's sacrificing kind of the source of that. Yeah. In a way. I, I think this is the only story in this entire collection that like jumped out at me immediately as working on like multiple levels. Yeah. And you know, I, I think you can, you could, you could definitely write a research paper uh, or base a thesis, you know, around, you know, multiple readings of this. And in some ways, you know, you could, you could talk about like, uh, you know, parenting and, you know, just relationships with family. You could certainly talk about, um, you know, romantic relationships. You could talk about, yeah. uh, you know, work and, and corporate stuff and, you know, how all of those things, you know, you can sort of leach out, um, you know, either parts of yourself or parts of other people to, to build yourself up at their detriment. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think this one was super interesting for me to, to kind of think through yeah. um, some of those, some of those different things. And I wondered, you know, kind of like, Again, what what does the narrator do once this is done? You know, they've they've achieved their their heart's desire, but at the expense of, you know, something that they they created essentially. Yeah. And, you know, was it worth the gain? We never see any of the the real benefit yeah, of, we don't. of any we of just, this stuff. We hear it's like, well, she's, you know, now she's CEO and you know, she's got this windfall of money. Yeah, it, but it doesn't seem like her life really changes beneficially like she she feels more power or she kind of has this perception of that but right. you know she's still like her daily activities seem to involve going down to the basement and feeding her naked nameless companion and right withdrawing what she needs from him and for the next step yeah is is the power in the in the witchcraft or in sort of the illusion that you're, you know, taking or making something, you know, for yourself. Yeah. Why is she still in the same basement at the end, you know, drawing, <laughs> drawing blood from this guy? Like, uh, you know, if she was really gaining knowledge and power and wealth and all these kind of things. Would she not have at some point, you know, also gained some morality? Um, what yeah. happened to morality in, in any of this? Um, was she an immoral person to begin with? Uh, I don't know. There's this, this one, I think, I think, you know, for, for everything else in the collection, yeah. I think this one re requires multiple reads. Yeah. If this were like a standalone, like that had been published or something out there, I think this, if I, if I, if I just saw this story and it was like, oh, it's in this collection with this other stories. And I, I got, I'd come in and read, you know, the rest of the book, I would have been super disappointed because this, I yeah. think on its own has a, a lot of potential. Uh, in just kind of that, I I like the I like the 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 like sort of strange mythical realism incorporated yeah. here, and this is like really the only sort of dose that we get in the book, and it's done in such a really good way while also trying to kind of have that moralistic tone to it. You know, a yeah. lot of the stories in here they don't really have, you know, they're not here to, and not that they have to, but they're not here to sort of tell a lesson. But this one hits on all those sort of notes really well, like it. It's. I think it's really well done. I think it it builds and kind of climaxes really well. I think it has an interesting sort of development of how the story is being told. And obviously, there's things that you can draw out of it for lessons or or ideas that you can pull out of it that a lot of the other ones I just read and go, okay, cool, on to the next one. So, yeah. So um, this was my this was my favorite one in here. I think it was yours too. Same. Yep. But. Uh, Another one at the back that that I had read and I think that you had uh, read and were interested in it well was Biter because that was another yeah. one that was just kind of strange. I think this one was, I mean, it was really strange. Uh, it was, yeah. it was, it was definitely kind of a departure from a lot of the other stuff in here too. And I think that I, you know, I feel like some of these weirder stories are kind of buried at the back because at this point, 
the people that want sort of cat person and cat person light stories have been yeah. satisfied with everything they've gotten to this point. And then we kind of see a little bit more of the stranger, maybe more experimental stuff at the back. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's getting into, into murder and torture and, uh, yeah, yeah all, all sorts of crazy and then we get things. In, yeah. The and end. then we get into weird psychological ticks like Ellie's desire to bite stemming from when she was a kid. And yeah. Growing a random up and woman just, that wants to, to get punched in the face, kicked in the stomach and then have sex with a stranger in a hotel room. Yeah. I mean, death yeah. wish. we just get, yeah, we get some like really weird stuff, but biter especially was just kind of strange. Yeah. Can I, can I real quick tell you the moment that I realized that she wasn't a, a shit writer? Okay. So it was actually in the, uh, the matchbox sign. Okay. Where she's describing the, the parasite. Um, yeah. when it, when it finally you got comes, a passage, yeah. go for it. So, uh, it's on page 198 and it's right at the end. So the parasite slaps wetly on the bed, a six inch long tube of knobbed white flesh lined with a thousand shivering legs that wave like seaweed in the unfamiliar air. Like that, f- that description finally, like she, it seemed like she took the gloves off and she's like, all right, I don't have to have this like, you know, 20 year old narrator voice anymore. Yeah, here's here's how I write. And and then even like her the the second to last paragraph, you know, before before the end where she, you know, talks about the parasite jumping in into uh, was it David's eye or whatever. Yeah, um, that was the moment where I was like, ah, she's been hiding behind behind yes. this stuff, which yeah. then to me was like, holy shit, she's a good writer that can write like poorly to nail a, a, narr- a narrative voice, which made me respect her even yeah. more. I would be interested. Honestly, I'd be interested to read more stuff from her only though, if it were just more in like a horror genre. Cause I think that she like actually kind yeah. of like flirts with that a lot in the series. And it's like, okay, that's the stuff that, that feels kind of most natural and most interesting. I agree. That sort of like even, and again, back to Biter, that yes. whole like kind of like, obsessive nature she's making a list like why should i bite him she's she's envisioning you know like tearing it like parts of his flesh to feed some sort of you know psychological urge and then sort of comparing that to the like well the damage done you know i bite him and it breaks blood but you know the damage that's being done you know psychologically with the fact that this uh, other guy's wife is supposedly cheating on yeah uh, him with her and it's like wow mine's just you know a, a couple drops of blood and thing like just sort of the the morality behind that was 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 weird and interesting. And then we kind of get to the whole climax at the end. That was the one thing about it, though. Like I was like, okay, this is interesting. It's kind of building and building and building. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the end. It's like, yeah, he's just he's a guy. He's he's just he sexually harasses and and you and she bites him and and it's all good because everyone's like, oh yeah, you you had a reason to do it and all this. And and then it kind of is like, there's a guy at every office, and she just kept going from office to office, finding that scumbag sexual harassment guy to bite. Yeah. So okay. That that part to me was was bullshit through and through because yeah. here's here's how I read Ellie and, and what's his dick. Um they both struggle with being able to repress their like worst traits sure, or a psychological desires. urge, whether right. it's you know, a sexual desire or like a desire to literally bite somebody and yeah, get a chunk of flesh out of them. Yeah, exactly. So you or know, the, what, what, I, the sorry, the, the thing that was the most interesting. She was just talking about like the different places she could bite him and all the different like yeah. feeling of bone and all this mashing, the different tastes. I'm just like, okay, but but it's it's really no different than than what that guy was was thinking about every woman in his office, right? Fair he enough. was he was thinking about you know the way that she looked, about you know whatever situation or or you know whatever he was going to say or what she might say or what she might be like in bed or whatever, and they're they're peas in a pod they are both shitty ass people and they both as soon as they have the opportunities to act on their their desires they take advantage of those things yeah that's and true it's it's painted in such a way that like because of the situation because he acted on her first that then she that the tone is that it's okay right yeah and the, the i i don't think that 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 kristen wrote it the the ending in the way about you know, him going office or her going to office to office and, you know, finding those people, uh, is, is meant to be sort of like, you know, she's like a superhero yeah. of, of sexual I, no, harassers. I didn't get that either. Yeah. yeah it's just I, weird. But, but like on, on a surface level, somebody would see that and be like, oh, well, she, you know, that she's just saying that there are shitty men everywhere and yeah. you know, whatever. And so again, it goes back to the, the cat person thing of like, you know, being outraged and being offended. But I think the, the real point again is that, these are shitty people 
you know, acting, acting on their, their desires and that Ellie is just as bad or, you know, worse because she's literally fucking biting people, uh, as, as you know, these, these other people, um, not to say that like kissing anybody without their, without their consent is, is ever okay. But, uh, I certainly, uh, would prefer that over being bit in the face, I think. Yeah. And flesh being, you know, disfiggured a chunk of his flesh out. Like, yeah, like, I get it. Like it's, it's bad, but they're the, that's another thing too, is, you know, I, the idea of kind of like an act for an act in a lot of ways with outrage, you know, and it's, there's no kind of like weighing each individual acts effect on kind of the greater idea of what's better or what's worse. Like, yeah, I would rather if someone comes up and, you know, like inappropriately touches or kisses me, I'd be like, okay, that sucks. But I'd rather that than them like bite a piece of flesh out of my ass or calf, you know? Yeah. So for sure. All right. Um, should we get to our ratings? Let's get to our ratings. I got nothing else to talk about, really. Right. Uh, do you have any other? Things I mean, I, I have any all, other stories you want to note. I have all sorts of things, but we have a we have a podcast that runs one hour. That is true. I am obligated true. to be the gatekeeper of that one hour. Yeah. Okay. That's true. I'm the talker. You're the you're the structurer. Yeah. Or. Because if it was just me doing a podcast, then it would just ramble on until yeah, it just, just fades out. We should just try to. Do I wouldn't a even podcast. be done talking. It would just fade. You would just fade me down to zero eventually. It'd be then, kind of funny, actually. We I should know. end an episode like that. Yeah. Nah, probably not. All right, ratings. I'll go first. Go for it. Uh, I'm gonna put this book on the bottom shelf. Okay. Uh, I want to hang on to it because um, I'm I'm curious to see where the conversation at large goes with this. I mean, the the book's yeah. been out like three months. I kind of want to see. If, you know, there's there's any like outrage about this book and I want to be able to go back and and reread it at at certain points depending on, uh, you know, people's interpretation reactions to that. I don't think that this is this is something that, you know, I would just necessarily pick up and and reread on my own. Um, I feel like I digested a lot of it uh, in in one sitting. Matter of fact, I would I would recommend that, like, if if you want to read a book about you know, relationships and womanhood and you want to do it at, at maybe what I would consider a much more literary level. Uh, Boys of My Youth by Joanne Beard is far and away uh, one of the best short story collections I've ever yeah. read. I know I've mentioned it before. Um, and I think that she deals with similar subjects, not not so much like the the sexual aspects of, of things sure. and, and consent and, and that sort of stuff, but just sort of the, the relationships and, and struggles and stuff. Uh, and so I would say that if anything about this book interests you uh, and, and you read it and you liked it, go check out Joanne Beard, uh, Boys of My Youth. That that would uh, that would be my recommendation. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to donate it. I don't think it's an awful book by any means. I think there are things in here that are interesting enough, but I just... It's the book that I put down, and had we not been doing a podcast for it, I would have pretty much just discord like everything immediately really? would have just gone out of my mind. I, I wouldn't really have spent much time thinking about it. Okay, I don't. To be fair, though, I don't think I'm really like the target audience, um, and I don't really know anyone immediately that I could think of to recommend it or or kind of like hold on to recommend. So sure, I'd probably just be better off donating it, and if someone hears about it or is more interested in kind of that cat person-esque type storytelling, they might like it, but not necessarily for me. Fair enough. So, Fair donating it. And uh, the title's a little misleading. Not a lot about cats. Uh, yeah, cats I mean, are he's barely... a cat person, but it, there's no, I mean, we get the little, like, gist of them kind of con- conversing back and forth, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so we got big episode 30 next and that is your book. Sir. Yeah, and this is like a year, right? We're we're fast yeah. approaching close to a full year of doing this, which is insane to think about. Just that it we've is. done thirty books and or short story collections of poetry collections and all that. But so I was thinking because it had been a little while since I suggested a book, and you know, you your two suggestions were both kind of uh, departures from our traditional long form fiction. Yep. Uh, so I wanted to go back to long form. Okay. And I definitely wanted to do a genre fiction. I didn't mm. know exactly which one because we haven't done a lot of genre fiction. We've done one Western, I guess Blood Meridian, if you count that, two Westerns. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really done a lot of sci-fi. We haven't really done, you know, 
a, we haven't done any fantasy or anything like that. No, you know, we need to. We haven't really we haven't really delved into genre fiction. But I was kind of thinking like even super smaller, like a subset of just strange, just kind of twentieth century. And I got to thinking about like crime and or mystery, and I was like, well, we haven't really done anything about that either. And those, you know, people love those books, and there's yeah. a ton of them, but. I haven't really been, I'm not really super enamored with the idea of like contemporary stuff. So okay. I really was thinking back to, to like noir, like 30s, like real? 40s kind oh. of noir crime fiction. And so I, in, in looking around for that and trying to find something, uh, because most of those are serials. So right, you know, right, a lot right. of times you jump in, you'll look up a book and it's like, oh, this is like book five in this character series. Like, I don't want to jump in there because there's all this development that we sure, probably sure. don't get. So. So this one is the start of a series, uh, but it's the beginning of it, so it should stand alone just fine. So we're going to be doing The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. Some nice, like, I know nothing about it other than it's, you know, it's pretty pretty highly rated across, you know, Amazon rating anywhere, book Goodreads. I've seen it on a couple recommended lists for crime and mystery. Okay. So... The Big Sleep by Raven Chandler, published, you know, it's, it's authentically published back, I believe, in 1939. So it's, it's you know, kind of of that time period. So I'm interested to see the dialogue, you know, whatever sort of nuances there are that maybe exist in that. But it's going to be a fun little read. It's not not too dense, not too heavy. Nice little crime, uh, crime and noir book for us coming up. Well, that's exciting. And then the uh, the episode after that, we are going to just BS around. Uh, it's, it is going to be our anniversary episode. So, uh, we're going to spend some time kind of recapping the, the last year of reading, uh, certainly talk about our, our favorite and and least favorite things, maybe things that, uh, we've shifted opinions about. Um, and, uh, then we'll talk a little bit about the, the future of the podcast. Yeah. We have some exciting, interesting, uh, thoughts that are bubbling around in our brain right now for some changes maybe going forward. Yeah. So, uh, it'll be a good episode, but uh, you can just listen. It'll be the one episode that we've ever done. Uh, that you don't have to can, read a book. Yeah, people can actually just listen to us just yuck around yeah, for a while. Exactly. It'll be interesting. So, uh, again, next episode is going to be The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler. After that's going to be the anniversary episode. You have no required reading uh, to listen to that episode. Thank you for listening to this one. And until next time.